0: is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's your podcast if you want to thrive and not just survive these parenting years. Hey, my name's Jay Holland, and I'll be bringing with me nearly 20 years of youth pastoring, parenting, and foster parenting as I share tips and tricks and mistakes along the way to help us build kids that will help build the kingdom of God. All right, so on a normal basis, I ask you all for help on what topics that you would like covered. Let's Parent On Purpose, and you guys have been doing a good job giving me great topics. Uh, Recently, I got one from a friend who asked me about handling crisis with some big picture perspective. You know, sometimes worst case scenarios actually come true. Sometimes uh, relationships are destroyed. Sometimes people people do die. Uh, Sometimes things do just fall apart. And knowing this is a possibility, how can you go about taking a deep breath, getting some perspective, and making good decisions? And I thought the timing of this question was really good because as I was getting it, I was a part of basically, I guess, 20 million people in South Florida that were watching this dramatically slow, slow uh, advance of Hurricane Irma at us. And I don't know what was more annoying, the 9 to 15 miles an hour that it was coming at us or the super dramatic death music the, the weather channel kept playing. Now I, I, like I know some people really did lose everything, especially if you get South of us in the, uh, in the islands and in the keys. But, uh, I don't typically expect to go to the weather channel to, to find uh, dramatic death music, but yeah, so I got a little agitating, but it did help kind of in, invoke those emotions. And, and we, you know, we got to really wrestle through, is this a category five coming at us? Is like, is life going to be over as we know it? And, and a lot of people thought it was, and you know what, for some people, it did. For some people, their life ended. And for some people, their houses, their their lives and livelihoods ended. And then for other of us, we, we were spared. Um, but you know, the truth is whether this hurricane gets us or an earthquake comes or, or a diagnosis comes back unfavorably, at, at some point, the worst case scenario is going to hit. And so today, our question is, what if this is the category five? So what if in your life, the, the potential hypothetical that you're thinking of actually happens. And I think when it does, there's two different questions that we want to look at and we want to answer. Question number one would be, what does this say about God? And then question number two is, what do I do now, now that I'm actually in it? So I, I feel like the two questions have actually dominated the last 20 years of my life. See, during that time, I've been to college to go through Bible studies and, and try to figure out, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? What does it say about God? What does it say about people? So uh, kind of having that background, and, and really before that, a relatively peaceful, non-turbulent first 20 years of my life. Uh, I, I didn't have a ton of catastrophe during that time, but since that period, so I, I guess I, you could say I kind of entered Bible college with a pretty level, steady foundation of, of life and experience, you know, typical challenging hard things, but, but nothing out of this world, I don't think. And, uh, since then went to Bible college and, and after that time I've preached my first wife's funeral at at 28 years old. I've had a son who, who had a cancer diagnosis and, and even now in remission, you kind of live with that possibility that at any time they could come back and, and you give you a blood test that remission goes into relapse, and and then your world falls out from underneath you. Uh, I've wrestled as as recently as today, if I'm going to be honest, with whether the the mental challenges of and, and illnesses of of a family member are are treatable or are changeable, and what does that mean for the rest of the family, and and who's going to suffer for this? So, you know, I I I can I, I feel like I've had a number of things that I would constitute as either category fives or potential category fives coming down the road uh, in recent times that, that I just didn't experience early. But also I can say that I've come to know Jesus in ways that I've never thought possible. And a lot of these storms have, have been the reason for that. But then the knowing the Jesus and the storms gives me context for the next one. So today I'm just going to try to answer two questions. Like during these either category fives or potential category fives, what am I supposed to think about God when all these bad things happen? And then what what should I do? So number one about God. Uh, we need to remember that there's nothing in the actual Bible, nothing in actual biblical theology that says that you get to avoid every crisis and storm. Remember, we live in a fallen world. That's one of the m- major points of the Bible is that the world is ravaged by the effects of sin. And, uh, you know, God is no less holy, good or just because terrible things happen. Uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that says that God, I can't remember the first parts of it, but, but he basically says that God uh, God has a megaphone pointed at us during pain. You know, he whispers at other times, but, but it, it's in the pain, in the deep, deep pain that God's megaphone is pointed at us. And I think in, in some ways, the very, very broken, tragic things that happen in this world are really God's megaphone into the world that, that all is not right, that, that man has fallen and, and that the evil condition of our heart has to be taken care of. So what does it say about God? It, it, remember, it doesn't say that he's not holy or good. That's, the, the promise wasn't that suffering wasn't going to happen and that deep, deep suffering wasn't going to happen. The promise was that God would be with you during the suffering, that he would never leave you, and, and that he would never forsake you, and that that if you belong to him eternally, he'll work out every bit of this nastiness for your own good. Now, remember, he'll work it out in, in an eternal perspective. It'll work out. In the short term, you you may not see why these things are happening, and you it may be years and you don't understand why something's happened or what good could possibly come of it. Romans eight twenty eight Romans eight twenty eight says and we know that God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. But as you continue in Romans eight, it, it kind of sets the pattern for those He foreknew He called those He called He predestined or those He foreknew He predestined to be adopted as His sons. Those He predestined He called those He called He justified and those He justified He glorified. And so in In Romans 8, it kind of presents that glorification in in the past tense, but it's not past tense. It hasn't happened yet. We're not glorified. And so far, all things have not yet worked together for good for us, but they will eternally. And in the meantime, remember, he said he will never leave you. God will be with you. Remember that God will be with you. That's just five little words. God will be with you. And every word of it is so crucial to hanging on when a category five hits in your life. God will be with you. Uh, Just, you know, no matter what word you put emphasis on, God will be with you. doesn't matter what word you put emphasis on. It's so vitally, vitally important. So that's the most important thing I would tell you about God as you go through this, is that God will be with you. And so knowing that, The next question then is, is what should I do in the midst of all of this? Now, because the context of our sufferings are so different, it's impossible for me to just give a a definitive list of what you should do. But these are some thoughts that I have that that I hope might guide and encourage you as you go along. First off, uh, stop trying to be God. Uh, There's just some things you can't control. You cannot control everything. As a matter of fact, you can't control most things. But what you can do is control how you respond. And so your question is, are you going to give in to panic or are you going to choose to trust as you go through this? And and the question really determines a lot about whether you believe you're God, what you believe about God. If you feel like you have to control everything, that's idolatry. It really is. It's, it, it, you're basically worshiping yourself as if you can control it. You can't. So many things you can't control. So stop trying to be God. Uh, the next is, it's really not helpful to live in the what-ifs. So don't don't spend all of your time living in the what-ifs. Uh, I learned a long time ago, there's no such thing as hypothetical grace for your life. So as you start to project and imagine out all the possible scenarios that, that can happen, uh, some of them will happen, but most of them actually won't happen. And when you project out like that, the problem is, you are you are projecting a scenario that you don't yet have the grace to handle and so uh you're going to start feeling overwhelmed um god will give you the grace to go through whatever it is that comes but he's not going to give it to you ahead of time so as i and i know this in my life as i start to just just use relapse as one as i start to think about what what is it going to be like if my son relapses um I know a lot of facts, but I but the feelings and, and really the truth of what would happen, I don't know. God hasn't given me the grace yet, so I can't live in the worry of that, but I know that if it happens, he is going to be there. He is going to give me the grace. Um, so don't live in the what ifs, like because you're not there yet, and most of them are not going to happen. Some of them might. Few of them will. Most of them won't. Uh, another is let other people help you. Uh, have you ever heard that term? God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, that's just not true. In First in Corinthians ten thirteen, it says, "No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide a means of escape." Now, see, that's specifically talking about sin and temptation. It's not talking about life circumstances. It's not talking about catastrophes that are going to come. Um, the boulders in our lives often are way too big for us to handle. And I think some of that is by design because God designed us to need Him and to need one another. Uh, he created us relationally. He, he didn't create you to be autonomous and independent. Um, so you need other people. And if somebody wants to help, you need to let them help and stop trying to keep score. Stop trying to try to, uh, you know, even them all and settle them all. Sometimes you just got to walk in grace and humility and say, OK, I, I, I just need people's help and I want to live in thankfulness. I cannot pay everybody back. But but a life of keeping score is kind of a miserable thing. Um, if you're having to keep score all the time of who did what for whom, that's not true relationship. That's not true friendship. You know, think about it with your parents. Can you ever pay them back for everything they did? Uh, think about your kids. What could they do to you that could possibly pay back for the money and man hours that you put into them? And and you don't expect it. You don't expect that they're going to pay you back like that. Uh, You hope they'll be helpful. You hope they'll love you. You hope they'll be in relationship. but, But it's not just a matter of keeping score. So let other people help you, especially as things get rough. Uh, another one that could be helpful is, is learning to take the 500-year perspective, or you could say 5,000 years, 50,000 years. Doesn't really matter. Basically, remember you're built for eternity, and, and knowing this can can help the current category five. Just because, as you realize that, you know what? In 500 years, this isn't going to matter. In in really 50 years, in most of our lives, whatever we're dealing with now isn't going to matter. But especially knowing that I'm built for eternity. Um, So many of the things that consume me and occupy me right now just are not going to exist or they're going to all be worked out or they're not going to matter. So how much of my emotions and and attention should they get now if if they're not going to matter? Like, obviously, you still have to walk through things. You still have to plan. You still have to deal with things. But just do it with the right perspective that even if you make big mistakes along the way, uh, God's going to work those together for good, too. Uh, so in that sense, another thing that's helpful is lower your expectations. See, this is one of the things that was really kind of enjoyable about uh, the aftermath of Hurricane Irma with us. And and maybe this was enjoyable because we were on the east coast of Florida and didn't get demolished. But, uh, you know, after, after the hurricane came through, there was a lot of damage. There was uh, many of us were without power for several days. Lots of trees fell. And uh, you just you know you you couldn't do everything you're normally used to doing and so you lower your expectations i normally have a pretty rigid wake up schedule and go to bed schedule but when i'm getting up every two to three hours because i have to restart my generator that keeps dying i just don't have that kind of get up and go in the morning uh normally i try to eat pretty healthy most days a week but i got to live off of hurricane supplies because we had them and we stocked up so you just kind of junk up just you know try not lower your your sin threshold but maybe lower your expectations of productivity you can't be everything all the time and crisis takes a lot out of your emotions out of your your energy reserves and so just lower your expectations you are not a unit of productivity you are a human being and you know in crisis there there's a lot of effort in just being So you can't do as much as you're normally used to doing. But I'll tell you what, in the process of this with with this past hurricane, not having the normal work routine, not having the normal everything schedule, really opened the door for some wonderful relational experiences. And it was really freeing. So lower your expectations. Uh, If you can as well, go slow. Some decisions you cannot put off, but a lot of decisions you can they may, they may feel urgent at the moment, but they're not. And if you just take a little time and have a little perspective, some of those decisions will work themselves out before you have to put too much effort into it. Um, just the last couple I would tell you is number one, be with God. You know, I already said that God will be with you, that God will be with you. But a lot of times we forget to be with God as we go through things. Uh, we need to take advantage of his presence, take refuge in his word, pray. If you can't, if you can't think of the words to pray, open up and go to the Psalms and pray the Psalms back to Him. But be with God. You know, one of the greatest comforts, like as we as we prepped for the hurricane, and then in the in the few days after, my kids just piled into the to our bedroom and and just wanted to be in the floor with us. So it was, you know, we we only had a couple fans and a generator running in a little bit of the house, so there was a good reason for it. But but the being together was a comfort during this time. Even if we weren't doing anything for them, they found comfort in the being with us. And in the same way, find comfort in being with God as we walk through these catastrophes or even potential catastrophes. And then finally, I would say hope in God. Um, recently, I went to a concert with with uh, some friends and it was for people. The concert, the theme of the concert was um, helping people who struggle with self-harm and, and, and just different things like that and they kept telling them to not give up hope but there was no backing to their hope it was just don't give up hope don't give up hope keep hoping but but some of the leaders of the con- the the concert just do not know god do not know jesus and so hope is their final their final end game and what i'm telling you is that your hope needs to have a backing your hope is that god will be there that god is true that god is real that God will see you through this and that all of this darkness will be made right in the light of eternity. So don't give up hope, but hope in God. Guys, life is hard, but life is good. And some of the, the best parts and sweetest parts of life are what we experience on the other side of the catastrophe. So I know we don't want to go through those things. And I think in my kids' lives, I just there's things I'd just rather them never, ever do. And I know God's going to move and shape me and them and our characters as we go through it. So I pray that you breathe deep, pray that you love hard, and I I pray that you know that the author of life is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. Hey, that's it for today. I pray it's been a blessing to you. This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. If you don't have a church family or church home, we'd love to have you come check us out if you're on the Treasure Coast. Sunday mornings, 9:30 and 11 a.m. Uh, you can find out more about Covenant Fellowship at covenantfellowship.com. You can also check out uh, archives of Let's Parent On Purpose at www.letsparentonpurpose.com. You can find blogs to go along with each of these and also check out past podcasts. This is Jay Holland wanting to thank you so much for joining me today and reminding you that it is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't give up. God will get us through. We'll talk to you later.